thanks for allowing me the opportunity to to come and be with you and uh, what a great time of worship and I think what stood out to me just as we were worshiping there was a couple of things that were resonating with my heart and and one is it was very evident this morning who was the star of the show so to speak it was Jesus and I love that because he is the one who is worthy of all the praise and uh, and I'm forever grateful for that and I want you to know that I recognize that as well and the other thing that that was kind of resonating with me just watching the instrumentalists and knowing that there's tech people back here and all that is you are all doing things that I don't know how to do and never want to take for granted that God gives us all unique talents and abilities and we don't have to sort of compare them with each other it's because that's the talent and ability that God has given us and I, I wish that I had one talent and it would be to be somewhat musical I, I don't have it my wife has it but I don't have it and there's something so soothing about the violin isn't there it just it almost speaks like peace to me and so thank you for using your talent and your gifts for the Lord in that way so Pastor Mark asked me if he should introduce me or would I like to just do it myself and I said to Pastor Mark well I know myself better than you probably know me so it might be just as easy if I did it now I I sort of wanted to hear what he was going to say and then at the end of when he got done I was going to ask you know I was going to think to myself is this really me but I thought I would I would make it just as simple by introducing myself so my name is Scott Wood uh, I'm a pastor at Journey Wesleyan Church and uh, I'm the outreach missions evangelism pastor there uh, but I also started my own nonprofit 12 years ago called Boaz Ministries and um, it, it came out of uh, a vision from God I would say and uh, I was not uh, and so I'm going to, this message that I'm going to share this morning, I hope it resonates with you, not just on a Ukraine level, which is what I'm going to be talking about, but you could be like me and be, be in a service where you were not expecting anything to happen and maybe God would call you out into service and you weren't even expecting it. Because I would have been the least likely person to step into full-time ministry because that was not on my radar even close until God called me one night, I was in a church service and called me out to serve him full time and I honestly didn't even know what it meant. I just said, yes, I'll go and do it and I don't know where it's gonna take me, but I will do it. And then uh, fast forward after that, I had gone to Bible college and was serving on, on staff at a church and God began to speak these words to my heart, father to the fatherless, father to the fatherless, father to the fatherless. And I, I, I said, Lord, I know what fundamentally that probably means, but I don't know what it means for what you're talking about when it comes to doing ministry. And it was a short time after that, a prophetic word was spoken over me from someone that didn't know me at all at a conference where they couldn't have known anything about me. And the person who came and prayed over me without knowing anything about me except my name said, God has called you to be a father to the fatherless. You need to go back to where you are and you need to resign from the church that you're serving in or the ministry you're serving in and you need to step into something that's so much bigger than you you have to do it all by faith and i thought 
cool? Uh, for real? And I came home from that conference and I went up to my wife and I said, this is what happened, Ruth, and I need to resign from the church that I'm in and we're going to step out in faith if you're okay with that and we're going to do something that's way bigger than ourselves. And my wife said, if it's from God, let's do it. And so Boaz was born. And I, I want to explain the background of the name because the name is so important to me. Boaz from the book of Ruth. Where Boaz took a family that was broken, intervened in there when he didn't have to, to help bring restoration and healing to a family. Lighthouse, so our long name is Boaz Lighthouse International Ministries. Lighthouse, because I believe that as Christians we are called to be beacons of hope. And in times of trial, and times of trouble, that people need a safe place to be able to sort of harbor. International, that speaks for itself because I believe that God wants us, us to do this on a global level and ministries because I knew there would be ministries that I would never think of on the front end that God would have a step into that would be again bigger bigger than me and we would have to operate by faith so that's how our that's that's our full name Boaz Lighthouse International Ministries we are better known as Boaz Global because when you use the word ministries sometimes it makes it difficult to get into countries and so we just simply go by Boaz Global it makes it simple and makes it easy for us. The, the verse that leads our ministry, no question, is James 1.27. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is to take care of orphans and to take care of widows in their distress and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is to take, orphan, take care of orphans and widows and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So what is an orphan? What is a widow? Sometimes we say an orphan is someone who has lost both parents. I would say the definition of a, an orphan is actually broader than that. It would be someone who maybe has lost a parent or someone who finds himself in a foreign land, separated from family, where they can't connect. And who, who are the widows? Sometimes we think, well, it's someone who's lost a spouse. But it could be that your spouse can no longer travel where you are, and you find yourself maybe not in the typical sense of being widowed, and yet you are. And that's the, sort of the genesis for what we do in Boaz. The other, I would say, directive from Scripture that we have is that the greatest commandment is to do what? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, basically all of you, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? That's what we're going to look at a little bit today. And uh, this is sort of like, um, I don't know, Gospel 101, I guess is what I would say. Uh, the greatest example that I know of outside of what Christ did for us, or the one that stands out to me, is the story of the Good Samaritan, who was under no obligation to come and help the person that had just been beaten up and was laying on the road, but yet he chose to do that. And not only did he choose to step into that space, he also chose to go what I would call the extra mile to say, 
I will help, and I know it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me something financially. It's going to cost me of my time and all these things. But I'm going to step into it. And that, again, is the heart of what we do. So um, real, real quick, so we started out doing ministry here in Fredericton. Uh, we had a drop-in center across the river on Friday nights for at-risk youth. They would come in, and we would just hang out and build relationships with them. Then uh, within the next five years, we opened up ministry in Haiti, Honduras, and Dominican Republic. In Haiti, we take care of kids who have uh, basically um, no food to eat, eat are in uh, very vulnerable positions. I've had kids that have been kidnapped from there. I've had kids that have been human trafficked from there. And we try to get into that space and, and provide protection for kids on a very uh, relational level. To we just want to say, if, the tr if someone wants to traffic our kids that are there, they're going to have to go through us to get to them. And if we can put that layer in between, we protect them. Again, it's helping to keep a family together when everything is trying to tear them apart. In Honduras, we are actually uh, in the spaces where we are rescuing kids and teenagers out of the most violent gangs in the world, gangs like MS-13, 18th Street Gang. We operate in their territory with our staff, and we identify kids who are at risk, who the gangs are highly recruiting, and we, again, step into that space to provide a barrier and, and get these kids to safety. I have had kids that we work with who have been murdered. I've had kids that have ended up doing a lot of time in prison because the gang recruited them and told them they had to do this, and if they didn't, they would kill them and their family. And we rescue those kids. In Dominican Republic, number one thing that we fight against, human trafficking. We rescue kids from human traffickers. We have transition homes in all three countries. We bring kids from where they are into a safe place and allow them to get their feet under themselves and keep those who wish evil as far away as we can do it. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. And then my wife and I, we lived in Europe as missionaries for three years. And we got to travel to the, the country of Ukraine many times and have good friends in Ukraine. And on February 24th, when the war started in Ukraine, I looked at my wife and I said, what are we going to do? What's it going to look like? Because we can't just sit by and say, we wish well for Ukraine. We've been there. We know people. We have to do something. And so we started by just praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? I reached out here in the city to people I didn't know, and just I heard there was some, a few Ukrainians, and I said to them, what can, I, what can I do to help? And their immediate response on the 25th of February was... Uh, we don't have time to talk right now because we're so busy trying to figure out what we need to do. And I said, I agree and I understand. <laughs> because everybody at that point was trying to scramble for what they could do. And so we simply made an offer that, tell us what you need, tell me one thing you need and we'll try to do that. And they told us what th they needed and we tried to do that and we began to build a relationship with the Ukrainian community. And then we said, as the war went on, we, we need to intentionally bring families from Ukraine to Canada, to Fredericton, and we need to do everything that they need to get reestablished and be able to have hope again for their own situation. 
And so uh, I want to bring up two ladies just real quick. You girls can come on up. This is Alona Kivrich and her mom, Ekaterina. They are from Ukraine. And these ladies are amazing. In fact, uh, they will have been here uh, as of this coming Tuesday, two months. They came to Fredericton on, do you remember when? May? May 26th. May, May 26th. And Alona, the daughter, now works for Boaz. I saw her heart and I said, this is a girl I want to hire. She understands Ukrainian culture. She can speak Ukrainian and at that point a little English. But she had a heart that I saw and I said, I want to employ her because I believe she can help us with other families. So, and this is her, her mom. And uh, so I'm, I've asked them just to come up. I want number one, I wanted to see, like these, these are real people who uh, we're, we're just not like helping, helping Ukrainians in cyberspace, which is good, but they're real people. So I just told them they're super nervous, by the way. Like Pastor Mark said, well, you guys can hold the mic. And they looked at me and said, we didn't know we were supposed to do that. <laughs> so I'll hold the mic. And uh, we'll let uh, Alona go first. How has it been living in Fredericton? Oh, now she wants the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm in Fredericton two months. And uh, what I understand, and that's people can be very kind to uh, to another people. It was shock for me that so many people can help uh, other people and uh, so many people helping us now, today. And uh, it was so amazing. And I wanted to say thank you for everyone who helping Ukrainians now, who helping Ukrainians here, who helping Ukrainians in uh, who stay in my country. It's very important for us, so thank you so much. You say it in Ukrainian and she can translate. What has it been like being in Fredericton? She's going to try in English, but I Thank you very much, but I a little bit know English. I study. I won't say. Uh, every, everyone, uh, thank, thank you very much. It's a, a big uh, work. It's a big help with us. Um, my family staying now in Ukraine, and uh, my parents and my husband. Uh, yes, and <laughs> and uh, we, my daughter, living now. Uh, safe and I am happy with this and uh, I very want to say to you people uh, you amazing people really you don't understand uh, you big amazing you do very big work you do very big uh, help us and um, maybe I a little cried but it's <laughs> uh, a little uh, difficult say you uh, I won't say many but I don't can't say I don't know uh, many words in English if I can say uh, very thank you what we do with us 
Thank you. <laughs> okay, I guess I, I guess we don't need you anymore. <laughs> okay, Scott. Uh, <laughs> you girls are good. Thank you. I was able to go over this this week, and uh, I mean, we spend a lot of time with our families. Right now, we have uh, 14 Ukrainians that we brought in through through our ministry. We have three more coming in on Tuesday night in Halifax. But I was visiting with uh, Ekaterina and Alona this week, and Ekaterina was saying to me, "Scott, I I have so far to go in adjusting to Canada and language." And I said, "Oh my goodness." You've come so far. And a month ago, there's no way she could have stood up and taken a mic and said that in English. And so I say, Dusen dobre. Very good. Very good. Um, so this is my approach to everything we're doing with the Ukrainians. I never look at it as a task to be done, but a relationship to be built. And I talked to them about that, that you are, you are not a burden for us. We don't look at the things that we're doing as we help you as a task at all. It is a tremendous opportunity to build a relationship and to pour the love of Jesus into people and to serve them. We, have a, we bring our families in and we put them at host stays. And what that is is a family that opens up their home and they have a Ukrainian either... Um, I'll describe who we bring in in a second, but uh, they, they just open up their homes for people to come and, and stay for up to uh, two months. They will live with the family. We brought three girls from Odessa, Ukraine in three weeks ago, Put them had them in a host family that planned to take them for three weeks until another housing opportunity opened up. And after about three days, the host family came to me and said, Scott, can we please have them stay here longer? And I said, yes, why do you feel like that? And this, what, this is what she said. She said, I believe that we are entertaining angels. And I said, yes, yes. This is so powerful. And what it is, it's a love relationship that is built. So how did we get involved in this? I've shared a little bit about it. But as we began to take this step into this space of unknown, I went to the board of Boaz and I said to my board, I believe we need to bring in a minimum of 18 families to, to Fredericton and just take care of them on a, to get them established and do everything we need to do on the front end that has to happen for a family to get established here. That's opening bank accounts, uh, getting SIN uh, numbers for them. I know you're not supposed to talk about SIN, but anyway, we have to get SIN numbers for them. Uh, we have to get Medicare for them. We have to do medical appointments. We, there's a, we have a list that Alona oversees. It's about 16 things that we, it's a task to be completed, but never at the cost of a relationship to be built. And once they've finished all those, then we feel like they are ready to sort of step out on their own a little bit with our support from the background. That's kind of the way we approached it. So I went to the board and I said, um, we needed to do this, I felt, and they said, yes, absolutely, we, we are in agreement, we're going to take this step, and then, as, as always, as boards sometimes do, they ask this very important question, uh, how do you intend to pay for it? Anybody ever heard of, heard of that? It's cool to have a great vision, need to have a little dough to go with it, right? 
they said, how much do you think the budget is going to be? And I said, $180,000 minimum because we have, there's so much we have to do. We, we pay their airfare to come over here because their families don't have jobs many of the times and, and they have no money in their bank accounts and so we have to step into that space and it costs $250 per person just to get their medicals done and I mean the list goes on and on and on. It's very uh, expensive to do it and but the Lord has shown up. The Lord has shown up. I had a guy call me out of the blue, didn't know him, called me on a Saturday morning recently, said, can I come over? I've heard you're doing work with Ukraine. I'd just like to participate in it. Comes to my door, knocks on it. I go down. He says, uh, uh, this is who I am. Uh, I've, I'm a Christian. I've been praying about what I should do to help you. And I had a number in mind when I uh, planned it, when I reached out to you last night to come and talk to you. And but as I was praying, the Lord changed that number, so I'm, I'm going to give you this right now. And he hands me a check for $50,000. Right? And I'm like, okay, couldn't have figured that one out. Uh, I'm not that good. God knows what we need to do. But also what's really been powerful is those people that come up and give us $10 and say, this is what we have to offer. And you know what? It makes a difference. Because one of the things I've discovered, if we want to make a connection with our Ukrainian friends, um, this is a little secret, Ukrainians like ice cream. <laughs> I think it's true. Uh, Ukrainians, for some reason, like blizzards at Dairy Queen. <laughs> and so $10 gets me two blizzards at Dairy Queen. And I know it's going to cost me at least 10 bucks after this service. <laughs> but it's worth it because as we're sitting and we're just talking and we're normalizing as best we can, uh, it's so important we're, we're able to do that. And so what we started out is, let's start with one, an Alona and a Katerina were our first family. And... These are the three groups of families that we bring in. One is it's single moms. Second one is it's solo moms. A solo mom for us is someone who's coming here with children, but their husbands are still behind and can't leave and are fighting for their nation. And the third one is girls between the ages of 18 to 25 are at high risk of human trafficking. And human trafficking is a huge problem right now across Europe, but there's a huge target on Ukrainians because there's so many of them leaving without the men and they have lots of people out there that don't have good intentions. Uh, sadly, not everybody in our city has good intentions because we've already rescued one family from a situation in Fredericton to put them into a safe place that was not safe. And so we, we try to stay on top of these things and, uh, and so once we get a referral or we, we find somebody, we do multiple video calls with them, and Alona sets those up. And then when we have those video calls, we, we allow them, they can ask any question about anything at any time to find out what we do. We are an open book. And now what we do is we have our Ukrainian families, uh, some of the moms sit in on those calls and can participate and share their experience, which really helps our families to feel less intimidated as they come here. 
And so I'm so grateful for the Alonas and the Katarinas and our other single moms that are here and our girls that we brought in to be able to do that. Um, so our, our process is basically we bring a, bring a family here, uh, we meet them at the airport, uh, next w or this coming week it'll be Halifax, we pick them up, uh, we make sure that we always have uh, three people with us, of which uh, either it's going to be one guy and two girls that go, or two guys and one girl, so that there's that freedom for families, they don't feel intimidated when they come in. Um, we bring them back here, we, put, we get them in their homestays, they've already met their homestays online before they come, they're familiar with that. We do videos of the uh, place where they're going to have their homestay so they have in their mind a picture of what they're coming to. And uh, we bring them in and then immediately we start the process of all the government forms, everything that needs to happen. Uh, we help them find work. Uh, Alona works for me, Katerina is working full time as well. Uh, so they're they, they keen to work, they want to be part of the solution here, they don't want to be a burden, you know, all of those kind of things. Um, and our goal again is to work them through this 16 steps that we have our families go through uh, and then we again have them step out on their own. Uh, the thing I want to say sort of as I wrap up and just kind of give you a way that you might want to participate is this. Um, sometimes when, when people see uh, our Ukrainian families that come in and we're excited that they're here and I'm excited they're here too, but I will never lose sight of the fact that every one of our Ukrainian families is dealing with incredible trauma and concern for their families. Every one of our families makes a phone call or a video call every morning to their families to make sure they're still okay. Just this week, this family, the building where Katarina's husband, Olena's, Alona's dad works, was bombed. And two blocks away from her grandmother, a missile hit. And so it was not about let's get to our task for the day that day. It was about let's talk. And every family has those moments there, and they're all sincerely grateful and they are all carrying this huge weight. And I, I never want to lose sight of that because um, it's an important part of, of what we do. Um, so how can a church like yours help? Here's what I really believe, is that we as an organization, we know what needs to be done, we work with you know, in fact, I think the government paperwork that needs to be filled out, Alona can probably do it better than I can now. But we can help with every step of the way for any church. And I want to see more of our churches get involved because I can tell you, and Alona can tell you, every day we are talking to a number of families that meet our criteria to come in. And we can only do it as far as we have those partners in place and we have those homestays that are available because without the homestays we we are not going to take a family and say we're going to rent an apartment for you as soon as you get here and make 
you in a position of feeling in debt right away, or b literally being in debt right away. And so we want to make that two-month sort of, you're here, catch your breath, you're safe, you've got a job, now we can move you forward in this. So we desperately need churches that will partner. We need families that will do homestays. It's not, it's not intimidating, it's just you living your life. They, they want to do life with you. So that's one opportunity. Another one is we need people who will drive our Ukrainians to appointments. So when they need to go and get blood work, or they need to get their son to a shoe store to get insoles for his shoes, or something as simple as that. We just need someone we can call on, and, and so we are not the ones just running, 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 doing this. Uh, so if we have opportunities to join our volunteer team. It's definitely uh, hands on the ground. We have, <coughs> excuse me, opportunities. Every person has their own individual English teacher. They're not going to a place where they're sitting in a group to learn. They have their own teacher, one-on-one. -on -one. And you don't have to have a TESOL cert certificate. You don't have to be anything other than somebody who can speak English and could help someone move forward. My wife coordinates all that. We have a need right now for at least seven more teachers right now. Uh, so if that would be of interest to you, you can do that. Uh, we are also looking for people that would simply become what I would call a, a friend to a family unit. And, and what that means is you just go maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. You just go and you pick them up and you take them to Dairy Queen. It's, it's, some, it's just building that relationship uh, and, and we, need, we need more of those people. Uh, everybody has to get criminal record checks if it's vulnerable sectors. So, uh, so we have kids, fa families with kids, so we would have to have that done. Um, and then, excuse me, bug. Uh, the last thing is is finances. The reality is, uh, it it costs us, or what we at least need to have access to when a family comes in is a, on average about ten thousand dollars per family. It doesn't mean that we're going to spend all that because here's the way it works. So Alona and, and her mom, Ekaterina, are moving into their own apartment August 1st. So that means they are moving out of a homestay, which means we can bring another family into that homestay. And so that money might not have been used for them, but it's going to carry over for the next family that's going to come into that homestay, if that makes sense. And so that's what we're, we're working with, is to try to have that, that taken care of. Uh, and. And it's, it's pretty much crucial because, as, as you know, uh, how, anybody notice that the price of gas has gone up quite a bit? Uh, price of food's gone up quite a bit? Uh, all those kind of things. And so that just means our cost to, to do this goes up. Our cost for airfare is going up as we bring people in. And so it's just a practical way to, to be involved. But um, money, money is great, but I can tell you what our families that are coming in need the most is relationships. They need to have somebody that can just, they know, they can spend time with, maybe, you know, hockey season's coming up, take them to a hockey game. They all want to go see hockey for some reason. I don't know why. Might be me talking about it. I don't know. Um, we, have, we have kids that are coming in that are extremely musical. Um, 
love playing instruments, love to sing. Uh, you know, ball, we have one girl who's 13 years old. She's been ballroom dancing for the last eight years and can move across a dance floor so easily. It's just amazing to see the video. Um, so if you want to partner with us in any way, you can do so. Um, if you want to write a check, you can do so. And we are a registered charitable organization in, in Canada, and you get a tax receipt, all those good things that come with that. Uh, just make a, a check out to Boaz Ministries, that's all you need to do. Uh, we take e-transfer, we, we do all of those, those things. And um, so Pastor Mark, maybe we'll get the band to come back up. Um, and so I just want to sort of leave you with this thought. And I've already mentioned it. But I just believe this in ministry. Ministry is not about having a task, doing the task, completing it, and say I'm done. If at the same time we're not intentionally trying to build relationships with people. Just like we have a relationship with Christ, and he wants us to do more than just kind of do a task for him. He wants a relationship with us. I believe for people, they want a relationship with us as well. And uh, Ekaterina and Alona, my two dear friends, we love you guys. We're so glad you're here. And we pray for your family every day. And that is the same for all of the Ukraine family. You are special. And Canada and Fredericton welcomes you. Don't we? Yes. Absolutely.